on February 28, 2001. At 10.54 a.m., there was a 6.8 magnitude earthquake centered 11 miles from Olympia, Washington. It lasted only 45 seconds. I remember the moment well. I was at a pastor's retreat at Sunset Lake, Washington. We had just had our final prayer to head home, back to our responsibilities. Amen was said and the ground shook. The light fixtures were swinging. Outside you could see the trees and waters do the wave as the ground heaved and swelled. At that precise time, there was a man in an elevator of an apartment building in downtown Seattle. When the elevator finally opened, the man was as white as a sheet. He choked to the concierge, you need to get that elevator fixed. <laughs> the concierge replied, we just experienced an earthquake. What shakes you up? According to Elvis Presley, it was his love for his little buttercup that shook him up. However, it usually is something that is startling, unexpected, out of the normal, and personal. As I thought about some of the experiences that have shook me up, I came up with some that had profound impacts on me. Here are some of them. The night I was visiting with friends in Portland, Oregon, and woke up to people fighting and cursing in the living room where I was sleeping. And it wasn't the people I was staying with. Then there was the night I woke up with an, when an intruder turned on the light in our bedroom after Phil and I were first married. And then there was the telephone call regarding the Georgia Cumberland Conference plane crash that left five dead, three of them members of our church. And there was the night that my sister called to say that mom was missing. And then there was the night that I got into my car to go home from a, a church social and someone grabbed me from the back seat. Fortunately, it was a friend playing a prank, but it shook me up. Then there was the time I lost my full-time employment. Not only are there times when personal things shake us to the core, but also there are times when world events, events or situations shake us. For instance, the morning of September 11, we received a phone call from my mother-in-law that the Twin Towers in New York had been hit by a jet. We turned on the news and we watched the second tower hit and the collapse of the infrastructure. Then in a matter of minutes, the Pentagon was hit and we heard that another plane was headed for the White House. I remember wondering, should we go into the office to work that day? Would it be safe? 
Would some terrorist strike Seattle? And when would the terror stop? No doubt there have been situations in your own life that have come to the surface as I've been talking, times that you've been shaken to the core. No doubt it was the unexpected or the traumatic or the life-altering experiences. As we close 2014, it's a good time to reflect about this year. It's an excellent time to take inventory, not only of world events, but also of personal events, decisions, course of life. For the review of 2014, I googled important events in 2014, and I found three, a list of three pages. I'm not going to give you three pages worth, but I, I picked several of them, um, and this is not an exhaustive list, but it's a reflective tour of 2014. Some of these you may not even have hit your radar. January 2, 30 people killed after a bus plunges off a cliff in India. January 24, 24 hostages killed in Baghdad. February 11, 77 people killed as a result of a military transport plane crash in Algeria. February 18, the Ukrainian revolution begins. By the next day, 26 people had died in the revolution. February 21, police fire on protesters in Kiev. 27 die, 570 injured. February 25, 50 students are killed in Nigeria. March 1, 29 killed and 130 injured by knife-wielding terrorists in China. March 8, the Malaysian jet disappears, 230 people presumed dead. March 22, 251 people killed after a boat capsizes in Uganda. March 22, 30 people killed in a mudslide in Oso, Washington. April 10, 88 civilians killed by barrel bombs in Syria. April 23, 60 people killed and 80 people injured in the Democratic Republic of Congo. May 13, 238 miners killed by an underground explosion and fire in Turkey. June 14, 49 people killed when the Ukrainian airlines was shot down. July 9, Typhoon Ramasun kills 151 people. July 14, Ebola outbreak passes 500. July 16, death toll in Gaza surpasses 200. July 17, Malaysian Airlines crashes, killing 283 passengers and 15 crew. July 23, 44 people killed after jet crashes into a building in Taiwan. July 24, 116 killed after jet crashes in Mali. July 29, 100 Gazans killed overnight by Israeli strikes. 
July 30, death toll in Gaza reaches 1,346. August 12, Ebola outbreak death toll exceeds 1,000. September 4, monsoon rain kills over 400 people. September 13, 40 people killed in a church collapse in Nigeria. September 26, 43 Mexican students disappear. September 26, Ebola death toll reaches 3,091. September 27, 50 people, 57 people killed in vulc volcanic eruption in Japan. October 1, 41 people, children, killed by suicide bombers in Syria. October 3, 83 million accounts compromised after cyber attack on 10 financial institutions. October 14, Ebola death toll reaches 4,447 with fatality rate of 70%. November 2, 60 people killed and 110 injured by suicide bombing in Pakistan. November 11, 58 people killed in bus crash in Pakistan. November 25, protests erupt after Missouri grand jury dismisses charges against white policemen who shot black teenager. And that does not even include the 513 homicides in Los Angeles County for the year 2014 or the lone ISIS attacks and the beheadings in Canada, New York, and other places, both here in the U.S. and abroad. To us, most of these are just facts. Rarely does it have a huge impact on us because we don't know them personally. Yet, are they not all God's children? Can you imagine the pain God feels as he sees man's inhumanity to man? They aren't just statistics to him. They are children that he loves. They are children that Jesus went to the cross for. His heart aches with the families who were experiencing the gut-wrenching pain and the shaking to the core as they cope and agonize and are angry at all the injustice and senseless loss of life. What if they were part of my family or part of yours? Would you be shook up? Of course. And is it any wonder that so many ask, where is God when these horrific tragedies happen? The prophet Joel records in Joel 3, 13 to 16. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come tread, for the winepress is full and the vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, 
multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. And the Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth tremble. But the Lord is a refuge for his people and a stronghold to the sons of Israel. Can you picture it? The wine press is full, and the vats overflow. The wine press is not a great harvest of kindness, no. It's a harvest filled with bloodshed and wickedness. Can you picture that valley of decision? The many, many people who are fence riders, they are in that valley of decision. What kind of decision are the multitudes making? You might think the decision is obvious. Maybe. Or maybe not. You know, sometimes the decision is complicated by family relationships. Sometimes the decision is complicated by love of possessions. Sometimes the decision is complicated by time constraints and priorities. Sometimes the decision doesn't seem urgent. Maybe tomorrow, or next week, or next year. And then there's the verse of the Lord roars from Zion. The heavens and the earth tremble. You remember the story of Mount Sinai? The Lord is on the mountain and he speaks the Ten Commandments. And the, all the people were shook up. Look at Exodus 20, verse 18. It says, And all the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and we will listen. But let not God speak to us, lest we die. Don't let God speak to us. It's scary. We are all shook up. God's voice is like a roar. You talk to us, Moses. You aren't as scary. We'll listen to you. So just in the last days, God will roar, and the people will be shook up. Revelation 14, 14 to 20 describes this picture. John says, and I looked and behold, a white cloud and sitting on the cloud was one like the son of man, having a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, put in your sickle and reap because the hour to reap has come because the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he who sat on the clouds swung his sickle over the earth, 
and the earth was reaped. If the first part of Joel 3, 13 to 16 was read, one might be shook up. But notice that in Joel 3, 16, the last half of the verse, but the Lord is the refuge of his people. While some are shook up by the events happening around them, there are a group of people, God's people, who find comfort, security, and refuge in the Lord. That's good news. Hebrews 12 is an awesome chapter because it reminds us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. So we won't grow weary or lose heart. And we are reminded then that God allows discipline for our good so that we are trained by it. And then we are reminded to listen and act on God's instruction. Hebrews 12, 25 to 29. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. That's God. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warns from heaven, and his voice shook the earth then, but now he is promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. And this expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, in order that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Life on this earth is temporary. Things are temporary. <coughs> We cannot take stuff to heaven. It can all be lost in a moment. Whether by landslide or fire or theft or earthquake. But God's kingdom cannot be shaken. God is calling us out of our lukewarm, lethargic days. He's trying to get our attention. He desires us to make a decision. He wants us to find refuge in him. But more than that, he wants us shook up for him. Like invite you to turn in your Bibles to Acts 2. And note what happened in Acts 2, starting with verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Who's they? Well, it was the disciples, the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Jesus' brothers, about 120 people all together. And what were they doing? They were of one mind devoting themselves to prayer. Acts 2.2 goes on and says, And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, 
and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to be to them tongues <coughs> as a fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was get, giving them utterance. And then if you, you notice a few chapters later in Acts chapter 4, 27 to 31. You know, Peter had been put in prison and he, he was um, released. And it says in verse 27, I mean 29, that they're, they're together again and they're praying. And he says, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. That's the kind of shaking we need. We need the latter rain of the Holy Spirit poured out in abundance in our lives. The disciples had the early rain, and God shook them mightily. They went from disciples who were shook up when Christ was arrested in the garden and tried as a criminal and nailed to a cross and buried in a tomb and scared when someone knocked on the door to bold, spirit-filled, Holy Spirit-shaken men who boldly preached and proclaimed Jesus. The book of Acts is to be repeated through God's people today. God longs to shake us up with the latter rain, that we might not be shaken away from him by Satan's entrapments. So the question I have for you today, as we end 2014, and begin a new year. How will you be shaken? It's time. The wine press is full. The vats are filled with wickedness. Jesus is coming soon with his sickle to reap the harvest. Will you be shaken away? ashamed, lethargic, indifferent, unconcerned? Or will you be shaken by the Holy Spirit? I encourage you to keep your eyes on Jesus. Take time daily to spend time in his word. Pray that the Holy Spirit will shake you with the latter rain and he will use you in your family, in your neighborhood, with your work associates, and with your casual acquaintances, and will shake you into laboring in God's harvest. Let's pray. Father in heaven, today, we come to you seeing the world reeling with wickedness, violence, and pain. Shake us with your Holy Spirit. 
move us out of our lethargic days into a deeper commitment to you and a desire to share Jesus with those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.